Hello, and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's Life Ministry. We're sharing stories and insights of real people living out God's love for the people He's created. We hope you'll stick around and be our friends for life. Thanks so much for joining us for episode 11. I'm your host, Steph Nugebauer, and today I'm here with special guest, Grammy-nominated and stellar award-winning hip-hop artist, Flame. Woo! Flame, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Congratulations to you. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. It's always funny hearing that stuff back. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You really don't need an introduction from me, but would you, for maybe like the one or two people listening who don't know who you are, would you introduce yourself? And then you've been on a lot of LCMS podcasts lately. Maybe you could share something special with us that you haven't shared with anyone else before. So you have the floor. All right. Let's see. Okay. Well, my name is Flame. I am a Christian rap artist from St. Louis, Missouri. Yes. Go cards. (laughs) Um, So basically I just enjoy communicating through the art of rap music, which is, you know, rhythm and poetry. And I also enjoy connecting the dots between the lofty ideas found in the Bible and showing how they're practical as well for our regular mundane lives. And I get to make it rhyme. I get to make it cool and swaggy. So I enjoy that. I enjoy studying theology and doctrine and counseling. So there, again, is sort of my interest in connecting the dots and helping people in practical ways And let me see if there's something about me that I haven't shared on my LCMS podcast run. (laughs) Probably the fact that I am a neat freak. So I have some unusual joy in cleaning and keeping things in order. So maybe that's why I study systematic theology, because I need the world to fit neatly in categories. Hmm. There you go. Exclusive right here. Okay. Well, so I am the only one who can see you because obviously a podcast can just be listened to, but I can see your background, your room, whatever room you're in, and it does look very tidy. So I believe you, at least for that room, it looks like you're a neat freak. Awesome. I've also wondered, you know, been listening to your music a lot lately and just wondering how you got the name Flame. Like how does a person choose their rap name and where'd you get Flame from? Yeah. So I don't have the story that's like, you know, I changed my name upon conversion, like Saul to Paul or Abram to Abraham. I was actually always known as Flame as a non-Christian. But when I became a believer, I was reading through the book of Jeremiah and I saw that basically he had the responsibility to say hard things that no one wanted to hear. And it got him into a lot of trouble, a lot of persecution. And he says, you know what, God, I'm not going to make mention of your name anymore. But then he makes his resolve and he says that, but your word is like a fire shot in my bones. And I thought that described my personality as a new Christian, this sort of intensity and excitement I was feeling to communicate God's heart. And uh, so, yeah, so I changed the meaning in that way. Awesome. I love that verse too. That's a, that's a great verse from Jeremiah. Uh, I think it's a cool story. I mean, I think you can be proud of that. For sure. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Flame, for a lot of people in the LCMS, you're, you're kind of a newer name, though you have been creating music for quite some time. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into music in the first place, uh, what your journey has been like so far? And, and then also, how did you end up at a Lutheran seminary in St. Louis? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It is life is a journey. 
But so really, I grew up influenced by hip hop culture, rap music. To me, it was just the air that I would breathe. So everyone around me was a part of it in some type of way. And I enjoyed it. I, I love the social commentary that you would get through the music, while at the same time, the backdrop uh, of the social ills, there was this joy that was found in the midst of things that was really appealing. It made life interesting, colorful, very vivid and fun. So I love the style of dance, the, the style of dress, the lingo and the music that came from hip hop culture. So that attracted me as, you know, just as a young kid. And then as I grew up, I wanted to contribute back that same feeling that I, you know, benefited from as a, as a, as a youngin. So I did that. I started to do music in like fifth grade, just rapping about staying in school, having fun. And then as I got a little older, I just started rapping about traditional hip hop topics, you know, gang culture, drug culture, uh, relationships, that kind of thing. But at 16 years old, I became a Christian. And um, that's when I realized that my content should match my my conversion. And at that point, I just started to study my Bible and I developed an interest in doctrine and I wanted to teach the things that I was learning and sort of filter through my human experience through the scriptures and connect with people in that way to say, here's how I believe God intends life to make sense for us in our context. And uh, from that point, I went on to study theology in school, which led me to Concordia Seminary eventually. <laughs> I laugh because I spent 18 years in a Calvinistic circle and I, I always loved Martin Luther and respected his contribution to Christianity, to Christian thoughts, to the Reformation. But the way he was handed down to me, you know, it was like Luther got us only but so far and then John Calvin came in and sort of saved the day. He's like the Joshua to the Moses, if you will, who led us into the promised land. That's the way I sort of understood the, you know, the secession of Calvin to Luther. So when I, you know, found out about Concordia Seminary uh, through a friend of mine who went to a Baptist seminary and his Baptist professor told him, hey, if you're going to continue your theological education and you're going back to St. Louis, make sure you go to Concordia Seminary. So he knew I was also interested in studying further. So he told me what his professor told him. And I said, yeah, I'll check it out. And uh, so I went, still not processing that it was a Lutheran school. I just thought it was like a Reformation-based school. So I went to visit the campus. I'm talking with, you know, different professors and uh, I'm just celebrating Calvin with them. I'm like, John Calvin is amazing. The Reformation is amazing. And I just had no idea really what I was getting myself into. And uh, <laughs> much more could be said, but that's kind of the long and short of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting to me too, because coming from a, a Calvinistic background, and then you said you're like real passion is systematic theology because you're a neat freak and you like everything to make sense. But, you know, when I went through seminary and of course you're a Beermanite too, you were in Beerman classes. The thing about Lutherans is that sometimes we can't make sense and sometimes things are just left to the mystery of, of God. And that's just so interesting. Like, how did you reconcile that? If you, if you like needed an answer to everything and everything had to be 
in its tiny, tidy little category. I mean, how was that? That had to have been jolting to you, right? To transfer from that to Lutheran. Yes, great insight. You know, it was sort of a crisis, actually. So I remember on the front end, as I was studying Calvinistic thought and the God sovereignty was the doctrine that sort of reeled me in because it was this idea that engulfs everything and gives you a seemingly healthy explanation to all of life. It's sort of, you know, swallowed up in the idea that God is behind it all and it's ultimately going to be for our good and make sense at some point because God is good. He works all things together for the good. So the doctrine served me at one point, but then you're right. Living in adult life and the world being very gray, it's not always black and white. Um, Though that idea sounded true, and I still believe that God is sovereign, but life doesn't play out as neatly. And, you know, the doctrine no longer had comfort or answers for those spaces in life. And in my mind, that was it. I, I, I was pretty much exhausted with Christianity because the doctrine turned on me. God sort sort of became sterile and distant and cold. And, you know, my, I felt like he's sovereign. I know that now it's sort of fatalism. He won't engage me. He won't change things on my behalf. He's mean. And, um, so yeah, it was just sort of mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausting. And I was stuck and I felt like Lutheranism broke in perfect time and help me understand the gray, the the paradox, the tension in life, while still upholding God's sovereignty, God's goodness. And it really helped me move out of that narrow focus and brought oxygen back into my soul. I was like, okay, I think I can make it. <laughs> I think I could, I could say the same about my seminary experience a little bit, like oxygen in my soul. Like it was so reviving. It was such a reviving experience to go to seminary and to learn all of this stuff, like drinking from a fire hose. It was, but, but you just wanted more. It was like, I couldn't wake up. I couldn't wait to wake up and go to class the next day to learn what other thing I didn't know. I mean, it was, it was an awesome experience and I, I'm glad you, you got that too. One question we're going to, we're going to save this for later, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, flame went to seminary, but, but he's still doing his thing. Like you're not a pastor. And we're going to get to that because it kind of ties in or actually really does tie into our topic today of vocation, which is another very Lutheran word. And Flame, like I said, I've been doing a lot of listening to your music lately. This morning on my way to exercise, listen to your music. Obviously, I'm really partial to your Extra Nose album, In Your Christ For You. And the track I used to think might really be my favorite, in part because you shout out to Dr. Bierman, but also for these these words. And I'm just going to read them here. You said, if our faith justifies us and God saved and baptized us, we set our gaze outside of us, Extra Nose. Mm. And that's from Used to Think. And I think that this is an awesome way really to sum up a Luther's doctrine of vocation. Christ has set us free that we can serve. Now, where do we look? Well, we look outside of us. We look around us. Our vocation determines for us who and and how to serve in our most immediate context. I mean, this is table of duty stuff from from the small catechism. And you also mentioned this in your track called uh, Good Works. You drop the word vocation several times, and you make the distinction between active and passive righteousness, active righteousness, 
being righteousness that we live out for the benefit of our neighbor within our vocations. So, I mean, that's my quick summary of your like chuck full of rich theology and super profound lyrics. But now I'm going to hand the floor over to you. Flame, how do you, how did Luther, how does a Christian define vocation? Oh my goodness. First of all, brilliant assessment. Thank you. That that is <laughs> that is a great summary of that body of work. So for me, man, it was such a game changer. I'll just say in terms of my backdrop. So as a Calvinist thinker for 18 years, they would probably talk about vocation if they they probably won't necessarily use that word, but if they do discuss something like it or good works, it's gonna be couched or you know placed in the category of sanctification. So when you're in inside of the Calvinistic construct, sanctification is 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 very central, and you're always looking to grow deeper in your affections for God, your motivations, the purity of your intentions before God. So there's this vertical emphasis that you're going to get from Calvinism, either the Reformed Baptist side, mostly the Reformed Baptist side, and and as well in, in the Presbyterian side, but mostly in a Reformed Baptist expression of Calvinism. So, you know, the way I understood and was trying to exercise my life was to do everything to God's glory. If I'm going to do rap, it has to be Christian rap because, you know, that's the kind of rap that would make God happy. That's the kind of rap that would show him how serious and sincere I am about my faith and prove my, you know, my justification and to prove that I'm saved, that I'm a good Christian, that I care about God and, I'm, and I care about his things. And, you know, though I, I love what I do, but that emphasis was another one, another one of those things that became draining as you're trying to double down and triple down on doing everything for God, for God's glory, to become more and more sincere and focus more and more on loving God in some new degree, some greater measure. And you're you're doing so much introspection, it becomes unhealthy and toxic. And, um, and all along, you're putting more emphasis on yourself and not those around you. And then you start feeling guilty for being yourself. And then you don't feel worthy to help or serve the people around you. And then you're sort of rendered useless. So what the doctrine of vocation did for me, and really it, you know, it gave me categories to think in that said, God is okay with you doing whatever you do. If you're a son, be a good son to your parents. If you're a husband, be a good husband to your wife. If you're you know, and artists make art that inspires people and, and, and lifts burdens as people are doing life. Whatever area you find yourself in, in your human, on your journey as a human, God is happy about it. Your contribution is good. Um, you're, you're relieving stress and you're restraining evil in the world. These are all things that make God happy and that makes God happy. And uh, these are all new ideas for me in in theological terms. Of, of course, I would have thought those things were good, but I would have thought the goal in them was to ultimately share the gospel. So if I'm at work and, and I'm a physician, yeah, I'm here to do whatever physicians do, but ultimately I need to find a moment to share the gospel with them or it wasn't a, a good work. It wasn't done to God's glory, right? So I'm, I'm there, but I'm divided. 
you know, but the doctrine of vocation really helped me know that now I'm, I have the assurance of my salvation through what Jesus accomplished and the faith that he gave me. And as I lay hold by faith um, to the promise that he's given me now, I can function in the world and serve those around me at whatever capacity. And God is smiling, people benefit, and that's a good day to God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I just, I I quick looked up because what you said, it, it brought to mind, Luther has this quote, he said, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes, because God is interested in good craftsmanship. And I mean, right away, I think of what you do. And yeah, God is interested in you making beautiful art. And you also happen to have at least this most recent album of your art reflecting the theological deep truths. But even so, like really, even so, if you made just like good rap, like just good rap that didn't mention your theology, you would still be serving your vocation in, in a, in a beautiful way and fulfilling that. And, um, that is the freedom that I think also Lutheran theology brings. Oh, uh, so, so yeah, so a- amen to that. And, uh, the, man, the thing that really resonated with me too, is when you said it was, it was draining because it was a lot of looking inward, a ton of looking inward on yourself to prove that, that you're, that you're saved. And, um, in, in, in one of your, your tracks, you, you mentioned, I think Dr. Sanchez by name who we had yeah. in seminary. Yes. And then you also said it was him who pointed out who he was the same who pointed out to me that God doesn't need our good works. Our neighbor does active and passive righteousness stuff, right? Christ has given us his righteousness and that's passive righteousness. We don't do anything to deserve it. It's all grace. It's all mercy. But then this active righteousness, the stuff on the horizontal plane where we actually go out and do good works within our vocations. Yeah. Like you said, like if you're a son, be a good son. Um, you know, if you, if you're an artist, be a good artist. If you're a husband, be a good husband. Um, if you're a parent, be a good parent, um, vocation stuff. It's awesome. It's It's so freeing. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So then that brings me again to that last question we were we were kind of holding up in the air. Yeah. Uh you're a Lutheran, you're seminary trained, but you're not a pastor. You're you're still hip hop artist. Yeah. Um so tell me, like how is that a perfect example of of living out your calling in one of your given vocations as an artist? And and then why why didn't you become a pastor? Yeah, you know, that's another thing that I've been able to benefit from with this beefy doctrine of vocation that, you know, Luther preserved is I've been able to to take comfort in the the skill set that God has given me this interest that God has given me um you know and to not judge it up against you know societal norms I've been able to see hey I didn't ask for these talents I didn't ask for the sets of interest that I have particularly it feels like they were pretty innate And, you know, if that's true, it seems like that's one of the vocations that um, God is interested in me fulfilling. And that gave me a sense of comfort and, um, you know, a courage to be an artist. And there was a time where my trajectory was leading me towards the pastorate. And I'm not, 
you know, ruling that out at some point. Um, you know, perhaps God may have that for me. But at, at this point, I love that I feel the freedom and the validation knowing that in this space that I'm in right now, I'm contributing good. Uh, I'm serving others well. They're able to benefit from the time and the energy and the skill set that I've developed over the years. And uh, that's that's really assuring versus feeling like I needed to take some type of, you know, monastic vows in order to prove my sincerity or go for some extra credit in the area of sanctification to show God I'm really willing to sacrifice what I personally love to do something in the ministry. You know, that was a time where I thought that was the peak of, you know, um, what would make God happy. Now I realize that, you know, the pastor is doing what God has gifted him to do, what he enjoys doing, I'm sure on, on, a, on a large level. And what I'm doing as well, I think God equates them, maybe not in terms of, you know, you know, in terms of the gospel message, I think is man's highest priority. But as it relates to serving our neighbor, I think there's an equality to all of our roles. If I'm a stay-at-home mom, if I'm an artist, if I'm a pastor, I think God's interest in all of those particular roles are, are you doing them well? Are you working hard? Are you thinking of others as you're doing whatever you're doing? So it's been very freeing. And that it really helps me enjoy more what I'm doing. It makes it funner, it's freer, and uh, it makes me creative. I'm like, okay, well, what else can I do in the arts to paint these pictures and to make these concepts clearer so people can benefit from the things that I am? Hmm. Yep. And you, I mean, you mentioned too that um, that you didn't necessarily like have to have to sacrifice your passions uh, in order to serve God, and that's kind of a, you know a key part in vocation. But at the same time, your vocation like right now, because, because you have several, um, your vocations aren't without sacrifice, I'm sure. I mean, is that correct? And in what ways, yeah. I guess, do you, do you sacrifice in your current vocations that you have? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's interesting too, um, because the process is, is very rigorous in terms of, uh, time, uh, creative energy research, you know, and if I wanted to utilize that time, that energy on myself, I could easily find things to do. But, you know, there is this sense in which I'm thinking about others as I'm producing four projects in one year, you know, where some people may say, hey, let's go out and chill. And I'm saying, you know what, I really want to communicate these ideas. And they say, well, you own your own record label, just, just take some time off. And I'm thinking, well, if I do that, then I won't be able to get this project out in time. And I feel like what's going on in culture, what's going on in the world, we need to hear these things. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about my listener as I approach topics and um, as I assume questions that they're going to have when they hear these new ideas and concepts. So yeah, it's very much a sacrifice, time, energy, effort, research. And um, I enjoy it though. I actually love it. I still love it. I've been doing it for a while, but I still love it. <laughs> well, and you know what, what I hear you saying too, is like, there's this, this balance in every, in every Christian's life where, where you have these gifts and, uh, and these callings as part of the body of, of Christ. And you, um, in a sense, follow after those, but then on the other hand, you always look to see, all right, how can these gifts and how can this current place that I'm living in, how can I serve? So there are always these two 
two things kind of working together and not necessarily even in in tension, but really in balance of let's combine these and let's look outward. And, um, I'm, I'm really humbled to be able to hear that from, from you. I mean, uh, a person who is a Grammy nominated artist. I mean, that's, that's awesome to hear. Thank you. Absolutely. And I guess just a little side plug too, like, uh, going to seminary is awesome. And yeah, you don't have to go to seminary and then be a pastor. Like you could just go to seminary and, and be a better hip hop artist, or you can go to a seminary and be a better, <laughs> I don't know, stay at home mom, like, like I am, I guess, <laughs> but whatever. I mean, um, it's awesome to be able to deepen your understanding so that you can better serve your neighbor. So yep, absolutely. Flame, uh, how did doing this deep dive into theology at the seminary change the way that you make your art? Man, well, one, topically, uh, theologically, it's giving me um, ancient Christianity. So it's giving me something that's been tested and something that's been you know, proven to be reliable over time. So these truths have nurtured and carried people throughout the ages. So I've been able to unearth those things personally and then for the people in my circle. Um, and when I'm able to pick topics particularly that I know are relevant for people's uh, soul care, people are carrying, especially those who have listened to my music over 18 years. And I, and I try to say these things with humility because in one sense, there's blood on my hands. If ever I've, and I'm not recanting everything I've written over 18 years, but if ever I've, you know, put fuel on a fire for ideas that made Christianity more burdensome, made life more burdensome, I own up to that. And now I feel that through my time at Concordia Seminary, I've been able to study more broadly. I've been able to wrap my mind around um, theological truths that were sort of hidden from us in one tradition of the Reformation. And, you know, I know so many influencers, pastors, lay leaders, musicians, artists who have over the years come to me in secret with some of the same burdens that I've had and some of the same struggles with, you know, the neat, clean five points of Calvinism and how they eventually break down on a practical level. So for me, seminary in large part is is serving them with these truths because it's like they're looking for more ground to walk on but in their theological construct, there is no more pavement. So everyone's sort of stuck. And I get to come and lay more ground and say, hey, there are, there's somewhere else we can go from here, you know? And that's been one of the most rewarding things that I've experienced. Seminary um, presidents, pastors from other theological traditions have met with me like Nicodemus in the night and have been like, thank you so much for extra notes, for Christ for you. I have never in all of my years of theological training been exposed to these sets of ideas, these doctrines. And I have a PhD, some would say. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thankful to be in this space where I kind of get to go under the radar um, and, dis- and, and discover things and then report about them to people who are busy. They're busy with raising kids and leading a family or being a pastor or whatever else they're doing. They don't necessarily have the space or the time to go back to school. But here I am able to use this position I'm in in life 
to do some research for them. And I can say, here, just check this book out. Check this article out if you don't have time to read a book. It's only 20 pages, you know, things like that. Check this podcast out. I vetted it. It's incredible. You know, listen, study to show yourself approved. But here's a shortcut, so to speak. And uh, that's been very rewarding. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you mentioned the five points of Calvinism. You have a song about that too called Scattered Tulips, right? Yes. Okay. So for people who don't know what the five points of Calvinism are, real quick, what okay. is it? <laughs> so in the, there's this, you know, there's this acronym TULIP. So the T is total depravity, which is just talking about the human condition after Adam's sin. So it's saying we're all pretty whacked out. Um, and then you have unconditional election, which I guess is just saying God doesn't choose us based on something we do. Um, and then the L is limited atonement, which is their understanding of Jesus only dies for a small select of people. Um, then you have the I, which is irresistible grace, which is just their ideas of, you know, you can't resist God's call. If he's calling you, you don't have a choice. And then the P would be the perseverance of the saints, which is their argument for you can never fall away. If God saved you, you can never apostatize. And, you know, it's very neat very logically consistent. They support each other very well. Um, but in a, in many ways, they're, they're novel to the collective conscious of church history, some more than others. And, um, you know, I heard someone say, if you have discovered a, a, a interpretation of scripture that has perhaps escaped the minds of men for 2000 plus years, maybe you should abandon your interpretation. <laughs> You know, so I think in some ways there's some guilt there. Not all of it is bad, but in other ways, some of it is pretty novel. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's some that's some wise advice just in general for for our day too. But yeah, <laughs> so the tulip again is what Calvinism you know teaches. And if you want to look up the difference between Lutherans and Calvinism on those points, you can just look up your song "Scattered Tulips," and I think you got some clarity there. So yes. yeah, Good yeah. Question. Yeah. Uh, all right. So flame, uh, you go to a Lutheran church down in Tampa. Um, I'm guessing, I don't know. I'm guessing some of the songs that you sing in church hymns written, you know, sometimes 1700s ish. Uh, so we're thinking like Bach, you know, kind of style music. Yeah. Uh, people might not be used to hearing, uh, rap or hip hop with lyrics that are so theologically deep uh, and also Lutheran, yeah. um, especially with your, with your latest album. So, um, how has your just particular art form, uh, been able to reach those who maybe might not otherwise be reached by the style that, that Bach has? Yeah. Great question. You know, I do think that, um, hip hop or rap music primarily should be used outside of the local church context. I mean, I've seen some creative efforts at people remixing old hymns and then they'll, you know, throw in maybe like a rap verse to kind of, I don't know, modernize it, make it contemporary. Eh, it's okay. Like, I've, you know, you know, I give them an E for effort, but it's kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of weird. So I personally feel like rap music is better served if you use it just in, you know, your everyday life, entertainment value or to, to sort of catechize you know, in my context. So the way I'm using it is, you know, it's just a way to do that. And for people that don't have any interest in classical music or, you know, hymns or anything of that nature, rap music 
is very on the ground and it meets you where you are. And I love the nature of it too. The expectation in rap music is for you to be blunt, be black and white in your face. This is what I believe. I don't care what you think about it. I don't care how disrespectful it's perceived. I'm just going to tell you my raw thoughts on whatever this topic is. And I love that because in, a, in some sense, because the gospel is similar in that it's black and white exclusive. There's only one way to heaven, you know, it's through the sun. Um, so it pairs well. And I think people that have that expectation in themselves already from subscribing to rap music, Christian rap comes in with that same intensity, that same boldness, and people respect it. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you believe. Why do you believe that? You know, so if you're sort of, you know, kind of hiding your message, covert with it in a rap mind, you don't really get a lot of respect for that because people feel like you have something to hide. You're you're afraid of what you really think. So it really works well for people who are in that space and that's how they enjoy their music. Yep. Well, in fact, so my husband's a pastor and mm-hmm. he has fellow friends who are pastors who actually use your songs and no joke to, yeah. uh, to catechize. So they kind of like weave some of your songs into their catechism confirmation classes nice. and, uh, yeah, it yeah. have been used exactly for that, um, for that use. So yeah, awesome yeah. job flame with that. Yeah. Keep yeah. producing your music <laughs> that we can use in confirmation class. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So coming for full circle here with, uh, with vocation, okay. uh, how would you say that the Lutheran doctrine of vocation just kind of kicks the door wide open, uh, to possibilities for people finding creative ways to use their unique passions, their unique talents, their gifts to further the kingdom of God? Yes. Great question. I feel like one, it in terms, so Jesus made a statement. He says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I think there's a sense in which the doctrine of vocation will supply more laborers. Right now, I think a lot of Christians are preoccupied, busy with, you know, this internal focus. They're burdened by their sins. They're burdened by, you know, trying to find some greater measure of affections for God. And they don't have a lot of space to be creative, to think of ways that they can, you know, contribute good around them for the people right in their faces. So to me, the doctrine of vocation lifts people off of the ladder that they're climbing up to heaven by trying to keep the law perfectly. So it takes them off of that ladder and it puts them back on the earth and it says, hey, you can do regular stuff for people and you can have fun and be creative doing it and God will be happy with whatever you're doing. If you're serving food, just imagine someone comes in, I don't know, off the streets, they're having a rough day and you serve them well with a smile, good service. You've given them a break, a space in their day where something went right, where they can breathe and you help them along the way as God's hands and his feet. So he's using you, you know, where God is sort of hidden or masked from people you are there functioning as his hands and his feet in whatever you are doing. And that brings you joy and comfort. You feel like, man, I'm I'm being used by God. This is exciting. And it, it, it enlivens you and it makes you want to do more. And then I think when you have that type of freedom 
you're more creative. And as an artist, that means a lot to me because I know how difficult it is to create when you're burdened, when you're consumed by something else. But when you free, ideas come out of nowhere and then you just get the painting all over the place. So I think that's what the doctrinal vocation does among other things. Yep. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And again, (laughs) thank you, Luther, for just kind of drawing us back to scripture and the freedom that the gospel provides because, uh, wow. Yeah. Lifting us off the ladder. That's a great quote. Flame, how can people connect their passion then to Christ's mission? Yes. So to me, the way you can connect your passion to Christ's mission is re-understand Christ's mission. So, so, so one, ultimately, Jesus's mission is to bring forgiveness. He wants to free us, right? So he wants us to be fully who he's intended us to be. So God created us as humans. He put us, we're a part of his creation. He put us in his creation. Creation is good. So he wants us to enjoy this life, but he wants us to do it from the most free place. And that ultimately is in in, in being made right with God. So that's one. So if you can understand that about Jesus and then understand he's into uh, creating that same freedom for others through us. So if you look at yourself as being on mission with Christ, a co-laborer even, with Christ and with others and lifting the burdens and bringing joy and relief, you'll have such a deep sense of connectivity with Jesus's mission. Even when life is difficult, you'll find a sense of purpose way down there in those struggles. Those struggles will make sense on earth because what is producing in you, that character, that perseverance, that endurance is producing in you on the ground things that you can use on the ground with other people as you're also growing yourself, connected to Jesus's ultimate goals. So for me, it just makes sense in your suffering, in your lows, and in your highs. And I think that sense of identity and purpose is what drives us to not tap out and feel mentally exhausted where we want to give up because we're so rooted in some identity, some purpose and meaning that not only lasts now, but will ring throughout all eternity. Yeah, it just energizes you. And that's, I feel like I'm experiencing that right now. Yeah. Hmm. Man, well, I just, uh, that leads me, I guess, to my next thought, because this is a, you know, pro-life, for-life, life-affirming podcast through Life Ministry. And as part of, you know, um, the doctrine of vocation, we would say is completely pro-life because it teaches that everyone has a role within the body of Christ and everyone has a role within the church's mission. So I guess then what would you say to those who who don't feel like maybe one, they don't have the talents or, or the gifts that they would want to possess uh, to glorify God, or they're not able to in a way, maybe they're bound by some kind of uh, disease or illness that prohibits them from serving fully in the capacity that they would desire to. So I guess then in summary, how would you encourage these people in their vocation as is how, where God has placed them now to, to still find ways to serve and to be involved? Wow. That, that is a great question. You, you know, specifically because that's a temptation for all of us. And it's always been a temptation for Christians. I think about in the church of Corinth, where speaking in tongues was the flashy gift. It was the celebrity gift, if, if you will. And everybody wanted it. Everybody wanted to be able to speak in another language supernaturally. It was kind of cool, you know? And But 
you know, it, it created a mess. It was just wreaking havoc in this in this city. It was so much jealousy and division happening. And Paul had to come in and 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 reframe for them God's value system for your gifts and your talents. He's like, look, the Holy Spirit gives gifts, he distributes them as he sees fit. In fact, I would prefer that you would prophesy and proclaim the message rather than this gift that you all are sort of coveting or jealous over. And, uh, you know, I think we need that same message today to, you know, there may be areas that we all wish we could serve in where people may get more praise or accolades or acknowledgement for something that they do. That would be kind of cool. I get that temptation, especially as an artist. Being an artist is kind of like high school. It's like a popularity contest and everybody wants to be cooler, more successful, more streams, more record sales, more accolades. So I understand that temptation. But to realize that God's value system is different and it flips that on its head and it says, wherever you are, if you're laying in a hospital bed and you are unable to be mobile, the the joy of this message frees you to say, you know, right where you are, just being in that bed as a representation of, of someone who loves Jesus, who is suffering in a way that reflects assurance of salvation and the comfort that the gospel brings, you're doing your vocation right there. And every nurse, every physician that comes in a room that can engage you in conversation is benefiting from the role, the space that you're in right now. God is smiling on you in that position. That makes you feel like, I want to do that the next day. What can I say to the next nurse? What can I say that lifts up, you know, the next physician that comes in the room? Now you have a sense of identity and purpose in that space. And every human being, every Christian can find those types of things wherever they are. If you're a mom, you can celebrate doing that with your children. If you're an artist, if you're, you know, a, a president of a seminary that feels like, man, I want to be out in the public square making an impact in politics and here I am stuck in a seminary talking to Christians all day. They can reorient that and say, you know what? I'm, I'm shaping the minds through my good administration, administrative skills, and causing the next generation to alleviate burdens in the world in a position I'm in. So everyone can take a deep breath, hit reset, and understand that we're all connected to God's goal in Christ as we're serving in these varying areas for the benefit of those around us and let that bring joy to you. I mean, you could define vocation just by your last sentence there. Mm. Um, serve your neighbors in your given areas and let it bring you joy. I mean, yeah. yeah, well said, very well said. Awesome. Flame, thanks so much for joining us to talk about vocation. Uh, before I let you go, I just have this burning question. Uh, what is your favorite song you've put out Ooh, favorite song okay all right all right let me think so that's sort of like asking a parent <laughs> <laughs> sorry i I don't, I don't know because i'm not an artist so i have no idea <laughs> i have to pick my favorite kid let me see. Right. which one would i save if they were both drowning let me see <laughs> um wow okay Wow. I think I really, okay, I'll just go with the one that has the most replay value right now. It's probably going to be Christ for You, which is, you know, the track title Christ for You from Christ for You, the EP. 
Um, I love the the melody. Um, I love the structure of the song, and then I love the cadence. So it's kind of it's super catchy, and uh, and then obviously I love the content that just reminds me that God comes down to us. We don't have to climb the ladder to Him. He comes down to us. He dines with us. He forgives us, and He frees us to serve others. So that song really, yeah, it's getting a lot of replay value right now. <laughs> Okay, so now we know that if uh, all your songs were drowning at once, you would save Christ for you first. <laughs> I would save Christ. I'm sorry, other songs. <laughs> Thanks for choosing one for me. Yes. That was oh, hard. man. So you've mentioned the four projects you're working on this year. What do you have coming out? Okay, so I, I released four last year. Oh, um, got it. Okay. What I'm working on now is... Um, and well, okay, I'll give you some exclusive. Right now, I'm working okay. on an, an EP on baptism. So, Ooh. so this is called the Extra No Series. So this is a series where I'm breaking down Lutheran thought, ancient Christian thought. So I gave you Extra Nos, sort of justification by faith and kind of contrasting Lutheranism and Calvinism, Christ for you, Lord's Supper, next up the bat, baptism. Awesome. I mean, like, when can we expect this, you think? I am pushing for more exclusive. I have not, you know, told anyone this. Okay. I am pushing for the top of 2022. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> Where can our listeners find your music? Um, my music is wherever music is sold. So if it's, it's streaming all over Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, uh, what else is out there? All the above. And also you can go to Clear Sight Music dot com that's clear site s-i-g-h-t music.com and you can have access to all of my youtube videos podcasts merchandise all of that stuff yep awesome flame thanks so much for joining us yes thanks for having me this was fun yeah agree and thanks to our listeners for tuning in if you liked what you heard please leave us a review and don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button on your app so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes New episodes drop the second and fourth Fridays of every month. And finally, listeners, we want to hear from you. So do you have an idea about a guest you'd like to hear from or a topic you want to talk about? Email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. We want to hear from you about what you want to hear about when it comes to issues of life. Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that introduces listeners to life issues by introducing them to friends who stand for life. 